Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. John chapter 6, starting in verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that you also have seen me and believe not. Now, folks, we're really truly walking on holy ground now. These are some of the most profound words ever spoken in the history of mankind. And I'll never be able to fully explore the depth of meaning here, but we'll go a little bit slower now, seeking to extract all the wisdom we can from these precious words from our Savior. In our passage today, Jesus makes the first of seven great I am statements in the book of John. Here he says, I am the bread of life. Now, we spoke about bread briefly last week, and we'll repeat some of that here to bring us up to speed. But we will explore once more just who Jesus is. And we'll talk about the two internal heart actions necessary for a man or woman to gain salvation. So Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. This is, like I said, the first seven great I am statements in John. Next after this, number two, John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Then number three, John 10, seven through nine, Jesus says, I am the door. John 10, 11 through 14, the fourth instance, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Then we move over to John chapter 11, and the fifth instance in verse 25 and 26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Then we get to the sixth statement of I am by Jesus in the book of John, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then the final statement by Jesus where he says, I am, he uses the name of God, John chapter 15, verse 1 and verse 5, I am the true vine. That Jesus is God is no doubt. He uses the name of God over and over again in his ministry. He says, I am. In another passage of scripture one time, he said, before Abraham was, I am. I existed before Abraham. Why is I am so important? That's the name God gave Moses. When Moses said to the children, to uh, God said, when I go to the children of Israel and I tell them God sent me, they're going to ask me, which God? Who do I tell them? What's your name? And he said, tell them that I am has sent thee. I am that I am. And Jesus says, I am he. I am God. And that he's God, there's no doubt. I mean, we look at the evidence. He performed miracles. Jesus was a miracle worker. Even Nicodemus admitted to that in John chapter 3. He came to Jesus at night and said, there's no way anybody could do what you do except God were with him. Jesus lived a perfect life. The only man who ever lived a perfect life never, ever hurt anyone, never offended anyone, never sinned against God. 
Jesus was the only man who ever was able to give up his own life. No one killed Jesus. He gave up his life on the cross. John chapter 19, he gave up his spirit. And then he reconstituted his own life three days later and came out of the grave. Jesus stated over and over again, I am God. He was God. He is God in the flesh. He's the sustainer of all life. John 1, 3. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus Christ is the very concept of life itself. He's the sustainer. He, none of us have life except Jesus Christ allows it. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Why is that important? Well, bread is, in, is, a, is an amazing substance. It fills us. It fills us up, but only for a day. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. The bread that I am doesn't fill you for one day. It fills you for all days. Revelation 1.17, fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Jesus Christ is the bread that fills, that gives life, that sustains life forever. With him, we have an endless supply of nourishment for our spirits and our souls. Jesus Christ, he will forgive you if you ask. He will fill you if you allow him. He will energize you if you fellowship with him. He will enable you if you submit to him. He will protect you if you ask him. He will preserve you because that is just who he is. And he says in this verse that there are two things necessary to gain all this that he offers. A step of faith coupled with simple childlike belief. John 6.35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. The first promise is to never hunger. He says, He that comes to me shall never hunger. Now listen. You know it, I know it, everyone knows that there is an emptiness deep within the soul of every man, woman, and child. All of mankind has an emptiness. There's a hole in our hearts that was torn out by Satan at that first horrible tree. When we listened to the deceiver, when we doubted God, when we gave in to our fleshly desires, when we did that which God said don't do, there was a hole torn out of our heart. And ever since then, mankind has sought for a way to fill that gnawing emptiness that's at the center of our being. That emptiness is our spirit crying out for God. And we have repeatedly tried to fill that hole on our own. And today we have so many things going on, folks trying to fill that hole in their hearts. Religion. If I do this and I do that and I do the other, God will be happy with me. He'll, he'll let me live forever. No. And then folks get away from organized religion and they go into transcendental meditation, new age teaching, spiritism, crystals, philosophy, science, psychiatry, or the most popular form of filling that hole today, entertainment. That's right, entertainment. Amusing ourselves, right? But it doesn't work. It doesn't last the Bible mentions a lot of these attempts by man to fill that hole in their heart. We have the Bible, the Tower of Babel, 
We have incident after incident of idolatry and mysticism and people practicing witchcraft and all sorts of things. But Jesus offers us a, a chance with the second tree to have that hole filled by the only thing that will stay, which is eternal life. See, we lost eternal life at the first tree. We lost that eternal fellowship with God that was supposed to be our birthright. It was supposed to come naturally with birth, but we lost it at that first tree. Now, at the second tree, Jesus offers us an opportunity to return to that state before we sinned and have eternal life. He says, come to me and you will never again hunger spiritually. I will always fill you if you will just let me. And if we'll just recognize that hole in our heart as our spirit crying out for that one thing that will satisfy, recognize that Jesus is the one and the only that will satisfy our heart's longings. He can patch up that hole. He can make us whole again without any emptiness. But there's a condition. You have to come to Him. Yes, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, but His death does not apply to everyone, just to those who come to Him in belief. Over and over again, Jesus says that belief, coupled with a willingness to appropriate receive Him, to come to Him, is necessary to have His work count towards your account. Now look, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, absolutely. But in order for that gift of his death to count for anything, we have to receive it. We have to receive it fully. We have to open that package, take out the gift, hold it to us, make it a part of our everyday life. It has to be received. It's free. There are no works you have to do to get this gift. You don't have to crawl on your knees. You don't have to say so many prayers. You don't have to give so much money. There's nothing you have to do in order to gain this gift except surrender. Hmm. Over and over again, Jesus says, it's belief. John 3.18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds would be reproved. But he that does truth comes to the light, so his deeds might be made manifest that they are wrought in God." Now, look, if you're not willing to take the first step to, to move towards Him, to, to, to open your heart to Him, to surrender your will, your right to be right, He's not willing to take you. He died for you. But you've got to take that step towards Him. You've got to open up your heart. Surrender. It's no work that you do. It's just surrender. But a public step of faith is not sufficient. Now, a lot of folks will say, well, I'll take that step. Where do I do? What do I do? What aisle do I walk down? What prayer do I say? We think that that is the step of faith, but that's not the step of faith. A public step of faith is not sufficient because there has to be true repentance and belief accompanying any act of faith. Outward rituals mean nothing if there's no inward 
change. John 6.35 And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. The first promise was no hunger, no spiritual hunger. The second promise is no spiritual thirst. Just as we know that we have a gnawing, gaping hole in our heart spiritually, we also know that we have an unquenchable thirst to know things. There's a lot of unanswered questions out there, and a lot of people have these unanswered questions. Questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose? What do I believe? Or the most common one, why do I hurt? And again, the condition to all of this is you have to believe. If you want to have that spiritual thirst quenched, if you want to have some of the answers to your questions, or at the very least, have comfort so that even if you don't get the full answer, you're, you're satisfied. Your, your thirst is slaked. You, you're okay. Even if you don't get to know everything, you, you understand who does know everything, and you're fine with that. The condition to get all that is belief, because Jesus is the only one with the answers. But the only way to know the answers is to believe. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke eleven fifty two. He's talking to those lawyers, the scribes, those, those folks that studied the law, that wrote it word for word, that knew the scripture better than anyone. And he says, Woe unto you, lawyers, for you've taken away the key of knowledge. You entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, you hindered. He says, You religious elite, You've taken away the key of knowledge. You've, you've hidden the scripture from the people because you've focused on all of the, the do's and the don'ts and you haven't gotten to the why's. You haven't entered in yourself. You haven't been saved in the first place. And because you're not saved and you're the religious elite, you've hindered those who were trying to find faith. Look, folks, it's only by believing the truth that the thirst for knowledge is quenched. I'm going to make a statement now, and a lot of folks might not like it, but it is absolutely true. Here it is. No man who honestly seeks the truth can reject Christ. If you reject Jesus Christ and you say you're seeking for the truth, what's going on really is you want a truth but you do not want the truth. You want a truth that fits your worldview, but you don't want the truth who will change your worldview. John 8, 31, then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, if you continue on my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hmm. If... You continue in my doctrine. If you continue in my word, if you believe, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If you come to me, you'll never hunger. And if you believe in me, you'll never thirst. Then verse 36, he says, But I say unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. So we have... The great statement of Jesus is the great I am. The first promise of Jesus that we'll never hunger. The second promise of Jesus that we'll never thirst if we come to him. And now the warning in verse 36. But I say unto you that you have also seen me 
and believe not. Here, there's so much good news in this passage, but there's also a terrifying reality. Many who seek the truth, many who see it, who see the truth before them, but never believe it or receive it, are condemned. There's a lot of folks in church today who will still be sitting in the pews moments after the rapture. They'll still be around because they've never accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. They have a religious experience. They have a church life. They are on the committees. They are making the casseroles. They are serving. They're cutting the grass. They're doing all the things that needs to be done around the church. And they think that makes them righteous. But when Jesus comes to call his children, the trumpet will sound and they won't hear it. They will not hear the trumpet because they're not his children. Why am I telling you all this? 2 Corinthians 5.20 Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Paul is talking to the church. He's talking to people who are in the church, and he's saying, please be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He's talking to church folks and saying, y'all need to get saved. You need to be reconciled to God. Then you jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he said, I have heard thee in an accepted time, and in the day of salvation I have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. Here's the warning. Many people have seen Jesus' works. Many people have been in His church. Many people have read His word, but they have not yet believed. Please don't die and go to hell. That's That's my message today. Please don't die and go to hell. There's a simple plan to keep you out of hell, and it goes like this. You're a sinner. You were born in sin. You continued in sin. You've committed sin. You're still committing sin. Every single one of us breaks every single one of the Ten Commandments all the time. We're all liars. We're all thieves. We're all adulterers in heart. We're all murderers in heart. We all disobey our parents. None of, very few of us actually observe and and keep the Sabbath on a regular basis. We we want what other people have. We have idols. We have things in our lives that we put before God. We are sinners. But Christ came to die for those sins on your behalf. He was buried, and on the third day, He rose again. If you believe those things and ask Him into your heart, coming to Him, receiving Him, He will save your soul. He will satisfy your spiritual hunger, and He will quench your thirst for knowledge. Do you have him? Is he your savior? If not, call on him today. I beg you. Until next time, I'm Dave Mason. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website 
at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.